Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Monday, September 30th. It's the end of the month, but I woke up feeling like a winner this morning. Your New Orleans Saints defeated the Dallas Cowboys 12-10 to in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome last night. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined by John DeShazer right here in Studio B. We spent all last night in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome watching the New Orleans Saints defeat the Dallas Cowboys. First question, J.D., did you expect the Saints to beat the Cowboys yesterday? I mean, I know we're team employees, so that wouldn't be a fair question to ask you ahead of the game. But now that it's over, did you have some no, some uneasiness? No, I thought they were going to win the game. Hmm. Uh, the Saints have a much better defense, even though it hadn't shown at all times in the first three games. But what happened was you saw three quarters of it against Seattle. You saw two and a half quarters of it against the Rams. You saw really a second half of it in the season opener against Houston. So I thought the Saints were going to be up to the task defensively. Remember, this is pretty much the same Dallas defense that they shut down in Dallas last year. People remember the most that the Saints lost that game 13-10, to but they don't remember that the Saints held Dallas to 13. Mm-hmm. So they were fully capable of doing the same thing again. Did I expect it to be, 13, to, to be 10 points? No, but I thought the Saints had a chance to win the game just because defensively I thought they'd be better. And actually, or I thought they'd be up to the task, and I thought they'd be better offensively. Now that was a bit of the surprise for me. After having seen them play against Seattle, I thought they'd be in a little bit better rhythm offensively. But I thought they were fully capable of winning the game just because I knew they would defend well. Uh, they, I think, they were looking forward to the challenge of going against that Dallas offense because, again, Dallas won the game 13-10 last year, mm-hmm. and for the most part, you would have thought, you know, from what you heard from Dallas's players and maybe from the city of Dallas that. It was a, a 49-3 to three win or something like that. And, and when you're a prideful professional, uh, you take those things to heart. And I thought the Saints defense was going to show up, and, and they showed up huge, showed up better than I thought they were going to show up. And the offense didn't show up as well as I thought they would, but I thought they'd be in the game. I thought they had a chance to win it. I saw a lot of reports going into the game that the crowd was going to be 50-50. I mean, there were a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans here uh, because Dallas is just an eight-hour drive, 45-minute flight. It's not, you know, far at all. So a lot of people were here, but I think – I don't think 50-50 was fair to say at all. I think Saints fans showed up and showed out as they usually do. I think they were just as loud as they normally are, uh, and I think they overpowered the, the Dallas Cowboys fans. So I don't think that was fair to say at all. Uh, but to your point, the offense yesterday uh, – not playing as well as I thought, you know, they maybe wanted to have played. They didn't have any gains more than 20 yards, but I think they're just finding their comfort zone. I mean, they're doing what they can. They're slowly chipping away. Uh, Do you think that this is forcing the Saints team to improve and step up in other areas that maybe they didn't think they would have to in the beginning of the year? No, I think think the Saints, it seems like the major offensive issue right now is protection. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been probably, I won't say, well, I might be exaggerating, but there seems to have been as many holding penalties in these first four games as there might have been all the last season. Can I interrupt? Sorry. Yeah. It seems like this offensive line has always been like a, a strong point for the yeah. Saints. So what's and the it, difference? Well, it will be. Well, one, Max Ungridden in there anymore. Mm. So, yeah, you know, you, le- you lose that veteran leadership. But two, um, one of the points of emphasis from NFL officials was going to be uh, holding. And so it seems like the Saints are really getting a lot of them. And it's probably going to be an adjustment period for them because they're going to have to adapt to the way the game is being called 
And unfortunately, it's been extremely penal for them so far. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the biggest thing offensively to me because, you know, again, you, you hear a lot of people saying, well, the Saints need to push the ball down the field. Well, pushing the, the ball down the field means longer routes. That takes more time to develop. That means you got to protect longer. And if they're not protecting well in the beginning, well, you can't keep running those plays yeah. and guys keep holding and getting into first and 20 and second and 14 situations. Uh, those are just too hard to continually overcome. So instead of doing that, you say, okay, if you're a coaching staff, we're not protecting well, uh, we're holding. Let's just do something fast, get it out of his hands and, and get into it and you know, take the seven yards and keep the, and keep the chains moving. So I, I understand what fans are saying. But at the same time, the objective is to win the game. And I don't care if it's 12 to 10 or if it's 49 to 10, you know, a win is a win. So, you know, that's the objective. But I think the biggest thing right now is offensive line play is, has really hindered this offense. Teddy Bridgewater had a couple of nice runs last night, wiped out by, run, wiped out by holding penalties. Uh, they had another couple of nice offensive plays, wiped out by holding penalties. You can't continue to survive with that. I think the other things that they're doing, you know, you'll be better offensively and you'll have more cohesion if everything in herky-jerky because every time you turn around, you're getting a false start or a hold or something like that. At the end of the game, you and I were talking about it, it just looked like Andrus Pete and Larry Warford were tired. I mean, rightfully so. That It was the end of the game. The, the Saints had 36 minutes of possession, uh, a lot of holding penalties, a lot of going back. Um, but what is something that – you know, is it bringing up a practice player just to give them a rep of a, of a of a blow on the sideline? Like, what is it that to give these guys a little bit more of a break so that near the end of the game they're not just you know falling well, over? That was a lot out of the ordinary though, because you don't ordinarily have 36 minutes of possession. Mm-hmm. Um, more than likely, you know, if, if you know, coaching staff and players, you know, you're probably satisfied with 31 to 32. Mm-hmm. That was just a really good performance. And, you know, what, what you do from that standpoint is, you know, basically you rest and recuperate those guys uh, and monitor their work during the week because, you know, that situation might occur again. You might have another 35 minutes of possession. So now that you've had it, it's easier to know what's coming and how to treat your body better right. during the week. Now, of course, you know, they're always giving out, you know, vet days, uh, guys are injured, so, you, you know, you, you're getting limited reps in practice. They're always making sure that these guys' bodies are taken care of. And some of that was just, you know, you're playing against a really good defensive line every snap. Yeah. So there's going to be some attrition from both sides. And a lot of times people don't notice or uh, really don't take into consideration. An offensive line wants to be cohesive, and they want that offensive line in the game together the whole game. Mm-hmm. Defensive linemen switch in and out all the time. <laughs> you know, guys come in, yeah. sub in and out. So they get fresh legs out there or fresher legs yep. out there. And that can make an offensive line look a little bit worse than it actually is. But I think Pete and Warford, both of those guys are going to be fine unless they were with an injury and both of them finished the game. You yep. know, it probably was a fatigue factor for a lot of guys on offense because the offensive line, if anybody's going to play 100% of the snaps, is going to be usually the offensive line because you want them out there the entire time. And in a slugfest game like that, you know, some guys are going to get worn down. I do want to talk about the defense because obviously that was the main factor of yesterday's game. But uh, Teddy Bridgewater yesterday, 23 of 30 uh, for completions for 193 yards. He did throw one interception at the very beginning of the game, uh, you know, threw it to Ted Ginn. He got hit right in the back, ball went right through his hands. But what did you think of Teddy Bridgewater's play yesterday? Teddy Bridgewater from what I've seen 
you know, and, and I think it goes back to Minnesota. Teddy ain't going to lose the game. Mm. He's going to be efficient. He's going to be careful with the football. He's not going to just throw it up for grabs. Uh, as you mentioned, the interception was it was a tough catch, but it was a catchable ball. Um, he's not going to do something. Even th- now, the ill-advised, you know, he took a sack late in the game. You know, ill-advised, needed to get rid of the football. Well, I think but Peyton again, said that that was his fault, right? It well, Peyton a, said it was, it was his fault. Teddy said it was his fault. And, you know, something. I'm sure the truth lies somewhere in between. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but as the player, you know, Teddy, you know, as the player, he's taking responsibility because he's saying, look, I should have had, I should have been aware of the situation. I got to get rid of that football because you're in field goal range. You need those points in a low scoring game. So that's what Teddy's saying. And I, and I understand why he would take responsibility for that. But I mean, he's efficient. 23 of 30. Um, against Seattle, he was 19 to 27. He's going to complete passes. They might be short passes, but he's going to complete passes. The clock is going to keep moving. The chains are going to keep moving. He's not going to do anything to hurt you. And there's going to be the, the the chances coming is going to come for him to do the vaunted push the ball down the field. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But right now, you've got to take what's being given to you, and you got to deal with what's in front of you. And unfortunately for, for him right now. What's in front of him is he isn't getting the kind of protection where you can let those routes develop. So you got to get the ball out of hands. I'd rather him dump off, you know, throw the dump off pass than stand back there and take a beating. That's not smart football. And that's how you end up turning it over or taking sacks and getting into bad down and distance situations. But he's been extremely efficient, and I thought he would be. We're not going to talk about Jared Cook at all this week, JD. We're 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 not jinxing it. Not that we, you know, no, gonna, we're no. just not going to talk about it. So we're officially not going to talk about Jared Cook this week. Hopefully he plays well. We want him to do well, but we're just not going to talk about it. But we do have to talk about Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas. I mean, I think together they had a full package game yesterday. Alvin Kamara, you just can't tackle him, and I think that was apparent yesterday if it wasn't before. And then Michael Thomas just seems to catch the uncatchable. I mean, they were both phenomenal last night. Would you disagree? No, no. I mean, you know, when you <laughs> In games like that, you need your best players to step up, and those are probably the two best players on the offense. Uh, Michael Thomas, he and Teddy seem to have a little cohesion going. Mm-hmm. You know, he caught a couple of back shoulder ones, and those were beautiful throws by Teddy Bridgewater. And Michael Thomas, if you're going to play him man-to-man, which Dallas did some, if you're going to play him man-to-man, and he's 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 going to win. He's going to win. And, and Alvin Kamara, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, people <laughs> – you can you can have him in your sights and you just can't you can't get him down you can't hit him flush you can't hit him square you can't get him off his feet uh, one guy rarely rarely is the one person who tackles him the first guy really I don't know if the first guy ever gets him down and you know he's a lot tougher than people think those late yards uh, in the second half that where he's running between the tackles and just kind of making something happen I mean he had a couple of plays where there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. And he popped out one, you know, it was a little jet sweep. They, he was strung out. And next thing you know, he was not, he was nine yards up the field. Literally and, strung out. His, his There was a string coming from his T-shirt. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and nine yards later, he's up the field, and they still didn't get him off his feet. Right. He does those kinds of things. And I think people in the NFL understand it, but it's it's a hard thing to deal with if you hadn't seen it in person. Now, Dallas saw it in person because Dallas played him last year. And and overall, if you look at the numbers, his numbers weren't fantastic, but they were effective because yeah. they were exactly what the Saints needed to keep it moving. So, you know, those two guys play, you know, they play a lot of, uh, they play a lot of grown man football. 
you know, you talked about man-to-man coverage. We have to talk about, obviously, the defense, who was uh, tremendous last night. But Marshawn Lattimore on Amari Cooper. His best game. Marshawn's best game of the season. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everybody, the consensus will say that was his best game of the season. He was phenomenal mm-hmm. against Amari Cooper. He was not good. He was phenomenal. And when a cornerback has a game like that, unless he gets a couple of picks, the numbers don't show up. But the, the, where you see his numbers are with what Amari Cooper did which was, you know, essentially nothing. He, he shut him down. He played a fantastic game. Do you think, you know, the, the Saints secondary has gotten kind of picked apart a lot on Twitter? I mean, everyone's going to get picked apart on Twitter eventually. Uh, but do you think the Saints secondary finally kind of lived up to their potential of what people wanted to see out of the Saints secondary? Well, yeah. I mean, th- this is the kind of performance people want to see out of them. Mm-hmm. But what people don't recognize, and, uh, you know, I, I hate to – I don't want to sound like people don't know what they're talking about because, you know, people are knowledgeable. But, <laughs> but anytime you say, anytime you say the but, you know, you're getting ready to say something else. But <laughs> this is a different NFL than what they're thinking about. Right. This NFL is conducive to offense. This NFL, you can barely breathe on a receiver without getting a penalty. So it's hard to shut people down. It just is. Um, I, thought, I think yesterday – Let's go back to Sunday. Flip the page back. Last Sunday or this Sunday? This Sunday. Sunday okay. uh, yesterday. Oh. Um, and, and the Rams lose at home to Tampa Bay. Ooh. Now, the Rams have two of the best cornerbacks in the league mm-hmm. by any measure. Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. And Jameis Winston and that receiving core shredded them. This is the, today's NFL. That's just the way it is. So, yeah. to expect Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple and Marcus Williams and P.J. Williams – and, and Vaughn Bell and C.J. Gardner-Johnson to go out there and just shut people down. It doesn't happen like that in the NFL. It did last night, but generally it doesn't happen like that in the NFL. I don't disagree. I mean, Vaughn Bell, two for, or one fumble recovery, one forced fumble – excuse me, two fumble recoveries, one forced fumble out of Von Bell last night. Uh, and, you know, A.J. Klein with the punch out at the beginning of the game. I, I didn't expect – the Saints linebacker core to struggle without Alex Anzalone, but it seems like they are doing really, really well with their base of Demario Davis, AJ Klein. You know, we saw a little bit of Kiko Alonso in there yeah, yesterday. Yeah, but they play they play a lot of three safeties and that and you know and a lot of nickels. So you can kind of I don't want to say cheat that way, but you can get a you know you get a your best defenders on the field and the guys who are more more versatile. So even though Kiko Alonso is a is a has been a starter in this league and has and is starting for the Saints, but. <laughs> You get the extra safety on the field, and in a lot of situations, he's kind of your other linebacker uh, because of you know you're in sub packages anyway. So he's kind of your other linebacker, and, and you know you and so now you got your best two linebackers out there, and, and they're playing really fast in AJ Klein and Demario Davis. So you know you can get away with it. You know you can get away with it that way. And Demario Davis is a guy who can play every defensive snap. He can play in all the sub packages. So he didn't have to come off the field. A.J. Klein, as we saw, you know, he's looking better in the sub-packages. That chase down was was it was kind of reminiscent of Eli Apple the week before in Seattle, but his was pretty impressive, you know, for a guy who was, you know, was beating on that play and Jeremy Witten was trucking and he, he tracked him down and got the ball out. And, you know, I think the Saints linebackers have been, have been really, really good. And, you know, you can't wait to see what will happen. You know, I love to see Alex Anzalone healthy, mm-hmm. and he'll be back next year. But, man, they're playing pretty well without him right now. 
Yeah, I think I saw something on Twitter yesterday, something like nine, only nine uh, fumbles for Jason Witten in his entire career. So yeah. that is, that's pretty remarkable that they were able to do that. Obviously, we know the Saints defense was strong last night, but special teams, man, how good is it to have a solid punt returner? I mean, I, I talked about it yesterday. I looked up and, and Deontay Harris was at the 49. I mean, he is just so quick and able to get through those tight spaces. And obviously, you have a strong unit with Will Lutz kicking all four field goals yesterday. And then Thomas Morstead. I mean, that is just a solid unit. Yeah, as long as Deontay Harris uh, doesn't have any any blips. He's had a couple of blips early in the season, and you hope those are just rookie blips that are kind of out of his system. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's going to have some more, I'm sure, but you just hope they don't happen, you know, closely stacked together as they have. But, you know, the Saints have been lacking somebody to return punts for, for years. I think, again, I, I think I've reflected on I think it was Darren Sproles in 2013 was the last time they probably had a punt returner they really felt good about. Deontay Harris is a punt returner they can really feel good about because he can take it to the house at any time he gets his hands on the ball. And I thought a couple times two of the best decisions he made were punts that he didn't feel Mm -hmm. that went over his head that went into the end zone, which shows he learned because he caught, he fielded the punt, fair caught it as a matter of fact, inside his five uh, in the season opener. And now, you know, they coached that out of him. So it's good to see the learning process taking with him. Absolutely. Well, the Saints will take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers t- uh, next week. Excuse me, not tomorrow. Uh, next Sunday at noon in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Obviously, you mentioned it earlier, the uh, Rams lost to the Buccaneers yesterday. Just quick snippet. I mean, we'll get to it on Wednesday and Friday, but a few things that the Saints need to look at going into Sunday against the Buccaneers. Well, James Winston was pretty hot yesterday, and Mike Evans as a receiver is a menace. Uh, he has tortured the Saints secondary before. Uh, and that's that's a challenge Marshawn Lattimore likes. Uh, Mike Evans likes playing against the Saints, and he likes playing against just about everybody because he's really good. And so that's a team where actually you probably want to see, you know, if you can make them one-dimensional by by getting them to run the ball a little bit more because uh, when they're flick when they're flipping it around, and when Mike Evans and Jameis Winston are on the same page, they can do what they did to the Rams yesterday. That's that's what they have the capability of doing. All right, well, that Buccaneers question was our SeatGeek question. SeatGeek, if you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There are hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place, search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. With their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, historical data, and more. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS at checkout. That's code GOSAINTS without any spaces at checkout. SeatGeek, let's go. All right, that'll do it for our New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. Of course, as always, John by joined by John DeShazer, excuse me, uh, and that'll do it for today's show. We will tune back in on Wednesday with more updates on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Saints head into next week's Week 5 game, heading into it 3-1. and one. All right, for Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, thanks for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.